Welcome to the Bippity Boppity Bankrolls podcast. My name is Alexis Boyette, and I am a motivational speaker, business strategist, and former nationwide CEO. I am here to help you uplevel your mindset, your magic, and your money through personal evolution and intuitive alignment. So if you are looking to live a happier, more abundant, more fulfilled life, you are in the right place. My goal in this podcast is to inspire you to transcend your limitations and become the next best version of yourself. I know you will get so much value from this podcast, so thank you for pushing play today. Now let's dive in. Hello, beautiful magic makers from around the world, and welcome back to the Bippity Boppity Bankrolls podcast. I am honored and delighted to have one of my incredible friends and students and Bippity members here with me, Michaela with Castle on a Cloud Entertainment. How are you, Michaela? I'm good. How are you? I'm so good, and we're actually here on a very special topic to talk about something that's just recently been happening specifically in the writers, actors, you know, union industry, mostly based, I would say like in Los Angeles and New York, but obviously they have tinier little hotspots around the country, around the world. But let's talk about the SAG after strike. Yes. Um, I think let's start with two, uh, you know, in case you haven't read too much, um, the actors have joined the writers now on strike um, against what's called the AMPTP, which is the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Production, which is anything ranging from Fox to, uh, you know, Disney Plus, Paramount Plus, all those things you like to watch. Um, So I think there's a lot of confusion to start, A, of what exactly the strike encompasses and who it encompasses, and kind of B, some people are like, oh, you know, why are these productions going back and these productions aren't going back? Um, and to kind of be clear, there's really specific companies um, that the strike is is against, and that's what it's for. Um, and then I think there was just a lot of confusion as we talked as soon as it came out about promotions and cosplayers and cosplay convention, conventions and influencer agreements and all of that. And um, we'd love to talk a lot about why that's important, um, slash maybe hopefully clear up a few confusion um, points there. And also just kind of a disclaimer, um, I cannot speak directly on, on behalf of sag So anything, know that you can always call them, you can email them. I think we can link it in the show notes. Um, um, and they will respond, even if you're not a member. So if you're really, you know, still have some specific questions, I think after our podcast, just make sure you reach out directly to them because they are there to help people. <laughs> right. And sag after is great. I'm also a sag after member. So uh, oh, you are. I am. Yep. <laughs> I'm not like up to date with my dues and my, my membership because I haven't acted in, oh my gosh, like five years now, maybe longer, maybe seven years, but I am like officially a SAG after member. And they're so great. Cause I called them about being like active again, because it had been so long and they're like, yeah, you just have to catch up on your dues. And then you're, you're active again. And I was like, Oh, great. And they're like, yeah, let us know. You can come back anytime. And they were just super sweet about it. And I know from my personal experience working with SAG after for, I think it was three or four years while I was in LA, it was incredible to be a part of the union. Like I loved the fact that I was protected when I was on set. I loved the fact that there was, you know, that I had someone to call if, you know, there was smoke on set or rain on set and I didn't get the bump that I was looking for, or, you know, someone that I had that provided me with health insurance. And I just kind of loved being a part of the union. And I always felt like they were really responsive to my needs and they were their customer service is just exceptional. So yes, let's let's 
dive in about what this strike is about. And I do have some familiarity with, you know, the different production companies and the different pay scales. We all know that there is one specific company that has for the longest time, pretty much ever since its founding, been able to legally pay everyone a significant amount less. And that was in regards to everything, right? Background actors, regular actors, any sort of publicity or any sort of recording, movies, television. And I actually did work for this company a few times and then noticed how significantly less the pay was. And I was like, I just told the person that booked me for gigs like my agency and also my background acting agency and i just said do not book me for this specific production company because i don't want the lower pay scale and i think there was i i think it was just one company but there might have been two but i just remember that it had a very different pay scale than all the other companies and nobody really understood why so i like i said i haven't been in the industry since 2014 so it's been a minute oh my god nine years <laughs> not five years it's been nine. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. okay oh wow uh reflection on age <laughs> so that being said since i've been out of the loop for so long is this strike in regards to that dramatic pay scale difference there's a lot. <laughs> um, I think there's three really kind of main issues that encompass a lot, um, and I'll just try to touch on them briefly. But one is being what we call kind of the bottom line. Um, you know, what people love to act. It's it's fun. It's such an exciting thing to step into someone's shoes and tell their story. And I think if you're listening to this podcast, that's probably what you do with characters. You love cosplaying or you love being an impersonator because you love the story you're telling or you love the character you're playing. Um, so the, the union is there to set those minimums because we know that some people would come in and say, oh, I'll do this for free because I want the credit or I want the experience or I, so we have to have those protections in place because that would be taken advantage of if they weren't there. So a lot of what this strike is, people look at celebrities and they think, oh, well, Tom Cruise makes XXX and Meryl Streep makes this and Jennifer Lawrence makes this. And, and that's not really who it's about. It's about the fact that probably about 98 to 95% of the SAG members are at those bottom lines, whether that's background acting or that's you're a day player on set, you're a co-star role, guest star role. You know, if you get the series regular, you're, you're at least making a weekly minimum. But if you don't have star power and star credit to you, um, you're at those minimums. And it's really hard at this point for agents to negotiate above that. So that kind of falls into a few categories. One, it's just your rate you're making on set for the day. And we know, we all know inflation has not been cute the last few years. Um, and so unfortunately, the percentages have not kept up with inflation, the yearly increases. So without, if we would have taken the deal that was offered to us, we actually would have taken a pay cut because of inflation and the actual value of the dollar, number one. Number two, which is coming into the streaming companies, um, you know, a lot of, of what existed before was network and cable television, which relies on ad revenue, which is when you, when you see a Nissan commercial or when you see a Pop-Tart commercial or, or they're paying for essentially, they're paying those networks to create those productions, to get their products in front of the eyes of the people who are watching those shows. 
Well, then we know streaming happened and streaming originally was ad free and it was just subscriber based. And then as they've realized they need more monies, you know, ads have come into play. But the whole argument when the contract came up for negotiation the last time was that there wasn't any money. We didn't know if this would be profitable. Um, we didn't know how it was going to pan out. And um, so the argument now is you can't hide the numbers. We see what some of these companies are making, what these shareholders are making, what these CEOs are making and it's not trickling down to the people who are making it and a lot of the industry is in new york and la which if you've ever lived there or been there they're very expensive cities to live in um i also work in vancouver which has been really heavily affected by the strikes um toronto is another big hub albuquerque atlanta and of course this affects where sag after actors are if something's filming in england or if something's filming in australia or you know whatever other countries um so there's that and we now see you know everyone's posting their one cent residual checks the reason we had residual was for health insurance because you have to have a certain amount of money to qualify for health insurance. I think it's 28,000 or 28,600. Um, and a very small percentage of SAG-AFTRA members qualify each year. And also those residuals help you get from job to job. So, you know, for every job you get, you're probably auditioning for anywhere between 30 and 100 jobs that you're not getting paid for, that those residuals were meant to sustain between those times when you're auditioning for the next thing and also qualify towards health insurance. And I think the last thing that everyone's talking about and is a huge issue is AI. It's like exploded in the last few years. We kind of knew it was coming, but we've seen commercials made entirely by AI that are circulating, people trying to write scripts, things like that. Um, and that's a big issue when the historic deal offered for background actors is that you would come in for one day, they would pay you $200 or whatever your day rate is for that day, scan your body, scan your voice and your likeness, and then be allowed to use it in perpetuity forever. That means forever, for anything, you sign it off. Um, and kind of the example I give people is, you know, you might have a set of morals or beliefs that are really important to you. And when you're working with an agent, you might say like, hey, I'm willing to work on these movies. I'm not willing to work on these movies or films because it's not in alignment with my values or, or what I wanna do on set you don't know what's going to be done with your image. And I, I kind of personally think that's a scary thing that you have no say over what you're going to end up in and how you're going to end up in it, you know? Wow. Um, We're talking about some black mirror episode material yes. right there. <laughs> if you've seen black mirror. Yes. Or there was a, Oh, what's it called? There was a film with Robin, Wright. I think it was 2013 that she like sells her image and her likeness for this big amount of money. Or they tell her she's like never going to be famous again. And, yeah, we see what happens. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, and so that kind of brings me to asking you, because like I said, it's been a minute since I was in LA working for SAG. Now, I used to have the privilege of being involved in the commercial background scene. And if anybody's familiar with working on SAG, we know that that commercial background is that sweet spot. <laughs> yeah, and it always has been right. Like I remember I made like two grand doing McDonald's commercial once just for a day. It was amazing. So it was like a two spot commercial. And all I had to do was sit there and eat French fries all day. It was like the best, <laughs> easiest day of my life. It was amazing. But yeah. commercial background is really difficult to get into because it's very niche. Everybody wants it because you're making that large sum of money. Now, I do remember, though, when I was working commercial background and because you brought up getting those residuals. Obviously, when you're doing background, you don't get residuals, but the principals do. 
And I remember back then the, the residual checks were always substantial for like whoever did the principal work because that's why their day rate was lower than the background because their day are not, not even much more. So I remember like our day rate was like 300 something for eight and their day rate was like 500 for eight, which, so it was such a small, um, difference between doing background and doing the principal work, but there was so much more work required of the principal during the shoot. And so getting those residuals for the principal was so important because like I said, they're not making much more on the day of the shoot than the background. Mm -hmm. So are we saying that the residuals themselves have also decreased because of the amount of advertising? Commercials are separate contracts. So I'll start with that. So actually right now, commercials are still being filmed and happening. That's a different negotiation. I think we negotiated last year and that was an agreement was met. Um, so that's like a completely different agreement. Um, I don't know the specifics on how commercials work in the streaming world, how much they're paying, how that's, because part of the issue is there's a real lack of transparency on the numbers from that front. We just see the profits, we see the CEOs, we see the shareholders, but what they refuse to uh, kind of give to SAG-AFTRA and, and members and such, and what people have been asking for is like, what are the views on these shows? How many people are watching them? How many times? Because in, in cable and network, you're paying a residual based on the number of times it airs, which you can't do in streaming because it's it's living there in the time it's living there. Every streamer is different in how they do that, whether they're buying it outright for a set period of time and that's it and, and that's how the money is being dispersed or it's living on the platform and certain percentages are being paid out. That's actually dependent on the streamer. Um, but in terms of commercials, Part of the reason, I don't know how this worked for background. If, if you're like, if you do a McDonald's commercial, are you allowed to be background in a Taco Bell commercial? Yeah. For, yes. So for principals, if you're the principal in a McDonald's commercial, you are in a contractual obligation to not do a principal role in any commercial that conflicts with that. So that would be probably anything in fast food service. So the reason you get paid residuals on that commercial is because when you're the spokesperson for McDonald's, you can't also be the spokesperson for Taco Bell. So they're paying to hold you through that entire time that they're continuing to air the commercial. And then once the commercial's done, then you're considered not in conflict anymore. But that's kind of part of the reason on the commercial front, it's so important because once you sign that contract, you literally are not allowed to make money for a competing company. And that's why those residuals and those buyouts are, sometimes they do buyouts, which is, is another conversation. But that's why all of this is a lot of gray area because it is the same if your commercial is airing on a streamer, now how that actually works out because it's number of streams versus number of airs is kind of a different, we're, we're in a new territory. And the last time, I mean, this is a historic moment because the actors have not been on strike in, I think it's 30 years was the last time. And it's 60 years since the actors and the writers have been on strike. Um, and the last big issue for the writers was DVD sales. Um, you know, everyone kind of said, oh, you put this TV show on a DVD and you sell it in the store. It's not going to do anything. It's, you know, it's whatever. And then it ended up making bank and the writers didn't get percentages of that, like, because they thought it wasn't going to be anything and they didn't fight for it. So I think everyone learned from these lessons, uh, of, of that time. And 
you know, even before that and uh, have said, you know, especially with AI, like this is a pivotal time. It's progressing and accelerating and advancing so rapidly that we don't know what it's going to look like in three years when our next contract's up. So if we don't fight for it now, um, and I think this in, this also affects us as people who use social media, people who have businesses and people who are basing characters um, and doing impersonations and things like that. Like, it's kind of scary to think a world where everything's just being recreated by AI or um, we're losing that whole creative process of someone new getting to step into a role or something being created in a new way because technology is doing it. Yeah, I uh, just had someone to go off topic very briefly. I just had someone tell me that they had just gotten like 3 million in funding to create an AI platform that basically like tells children's stories. So like the parents can plug in specific information and then they'll just have children's stories automatically curated for their kids. And I'm just like, wow, like that completely ruins the creative process of like, you, you can't take an AI to produce Winnie the Pooh. You can't like, have an AI produce Dr. Seuss. Like that came from someone's mind. That came from someone's creativity, like Harry Potter, things like that. Like that was someone's individual thought process. And it was rejected a lot. Like a lot of those children's books were rejected a lot. And it took a lot of energy and intention to get that material out there and to deliver it in the way that they wanted it to be delivered. And you just can't do that with AI. Like there are certain no. things you can do with AI, but you know, those types of things you can't, and you absolutely shouldn't be able to reproduce someone's physical appearance or their voice without, first of all, their permission on every single thing that it's reproduced, but to what end, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and you just think of, the argument too right now is AI can only pull from what it knows, so essentially it's like stealing from what it knows to create, it's not actually creating, and I think that's the, other, I mean, at least the AI pizza commercial I saw was terrible. And I think people are so desperate for human connection, especially after COVID. I think there's, if it does swing one way, I think we are going to swing back the other way because there's just nothing like human touch and human interaction and, and that aspect of it. But it's kind of scary to think that all these, and that's what they talked about shows, you'll be able to sit down and watch a show and, and tell AI, you want to watch a show about this with this type of person in this setting, and it'll create it for you on the spot which is just, I don't know, I love to, you know, if we think about everything Greta Gerwig has done in the last 10 years and how incredible of a writer and a director she is, that's gone if yeah. that happens. That perspective and that um, creativity and that how they're pulling connections together and what's important and happening, it, that just can't exist with something that's just yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It, well, it's an art. It's an art form like anything else, you know, and it's something that is so special to humans and humanity is that creative expression that we all have and then how we how we bring it out into the world. And for many of us that is doing, you know, children's private event planning or character entertainment experiences or face painting or balloon twisting. And fortunately for our industry, like, yes, we did experience some rough years with COVID because of the lack of ability to have that personal touch. Mm -hmm. But I do feel like our industry is safe in a way to say like, people are always going to want that intimate connection with a person for their child's birthday party for something that only comes once a year, you know? And so I do think that we have some safety in that regards, but also, you know, 
maybe not with all of our clients, maybe not with ones that can get one of these characters to do an AI video presentation or birthday video for them, you know? So I think we need to be mindful of how we're using AI and to ensure that if we are using it, we're using it in a way that's beneficial to our business that supplements our creativity. It doesn't replace it. Yes. Yes. And because there's so much of the, you know, someone I think posted like AI should be used not to take away the creative jobs, but to make space for more creativity. So it's doing the mundane stuff that can just be done easily by something. So we have more time as humans to like do the creative stuff and be immersed in that. And I couldn't agree with more, more with that. <laughs> That's amazing. Yes, we're on the same page. Now let's talk about SAG-AFTRA and the strike. And because I want to kind of bring up a a topic that one of my students messaged me because I was in Rome last week completely unplugged and I plugged back in and I had all these messages and one of it was from one of my other students in Arizona and she basically said you know have you heard about the SAG after strike what does this mean for my company like does this mean that I can't portray these characters and do parties anymore and she was really genuinely concerned that if she continued to portray these characters during the strike that SAG after was going to prohibit her from ever joining the union. Now, this person is not currently a member of the union, nor is she an influencer. She just has a character entertainment company. It's small, it's local. And so let's talk about obviously her fears, but how we can address them and how we can comfort her and knowing that she can continue to operate her business without concern. Yeah, um, let's start with SAG-AFTRA made this announcement um, more directed at influencers who could potentially, because it started to happen as soon as the strike happened, um, influencers that could either be offered contracts by studios to pay and pay them to promote whatever film or television show or character is coming out. Um, and also, on the flip side, maybe not even pay them, but cover all of their um, airline expenses, their hotel, their everything to be at premieres because the other thing that happened when SAG-AFTRA went on strike is that was the end of all promotion. So anyone who is a member of SAG-AFTRA um, and all pre-members that want to join the union that are currently in a film or were in a past film and are, are um, promoting it for whatever reason, they are not allowed to do television appearances anymore, social media posts, anything like that, um, because that is all a contractual part of when they signed on to that movie. Part of what they signed in their contract is that they will do television and media and appearances. And because all of that ran out, uh, when there was not an agreement reached, all of those contracts are null and void. So that's why everyone walked off set, production halted, things like that. Now, influencers, on the other hand, it's their contracts are not um, currently being negotiated. But what is being asked of them and what SAG-AFTRA has said is that anything that they were already contractually obligated to do, they finish and they do it because that's they they are not technically on strike. But they are just asking that in pre-members, anyone who would want to join the union as an influencer, um, that they are not using their social media platform to maybe promote something that is struck. And also that um, if, you know, a company were to come to them and say, I'm going to pay all your airfare and everything, and you get to be at this premiere for this new film, uh, that they say no to those kinds of things. Um, because we're trying to protect the integrity and um, honor the momentum and the what needs to happen in the strength for SAG-AFTRA. 
Princess Party companies are not influencers. And I think most of us, unless you have a following of 100,000 or 500,000 people and you're paid money by companies to do promotions and such, most of us don't even fall into that category. Um, so my agent is a side franchised, side after franchised agent, and they all had a meeting after this all happened. And I will preface this with the guidelines could change at any time. Um, I don't think they're going to harp on this for too long. And if anything, they eased back the writers a little bit as the strike has gone on for them um, in terms of promotions. But the general consensus is they've just asked that artists not be at conventions or promotions for their movies of a struck company unless they were contractually obligated to before the strike. If fans show up in costume, that is okay and it's out of anyone's control. Um, and like I said, you can always email side, you can call them, but we are princess party companies or we are, um, you know, superhero companies, you know, or you do all the above. We are not influencers. We are not influencing and we are not being paid by struck companies to promote struck work or show up at premieres. Correct. And also does SAG currently offer anything to influencers? I've never really looked at the agreements, to be honest, because I just, um, that's not my wheel <laughs> found. I, I mean, my, I don't want to say anything that's just a guess. I don't know if health insurance or anything is offered in that. I would guess that that's part of it. And I'm sure there'll be like provisions and protections against a breach of contracts and all the crazy things that could happen in the internet. Um, but I don't know. I'm actually not sure because I've always been more on the actor side and not so much on the influencer side. But everyone freaked out because we all know a big movie came out last weekend. Like, <laughs> right. you know, everyone freaked out about, oh, my gosh, can I, you know, what can I do? What can't I do? And I think also let's take a second to just kind of step back and say when this first came out and we didn't know. You know, we didn't post characters that potentially could be misconstrued for things that are from struck companies. Um, but that doesn't mean we can't share reviews. That didn't mean we couldn't share other things we're working on that are either generic characters or um, music um, kind of lookalikes. Or there's so much that we still could share anyway that it did never really look like there was a disruptor flow in what we were sharing. Um, but now that we kind of have more clarity on everything, um, you know, as long as, you know, I think they're asking if you're at a cosplay convention, maybe reconsider what you're going to go as, especially if you identify as a cosplayer and that is like your whole Instagram page and what you do as a person. But as a company, this is completely different. Right. And so just to reiterate, for anybody that owns a character entertainment company or a cosplay impersonation company that is listening, if you are not an influencer, and you are not a member of SAG-AFTRA, this does not apply to you. <laughs> so yes. keep running your business, keep growing your business, keep making money, and just know that this doesn't apply to you because you are not involved in SAG-AFTRA. <laughs> you are not. Um, and this is the last thing I'll say, if you are an influencer who is listening, um, the only other thing I think we're trying to avoid is what's called scabbing. And that's where you cross the picket line. So I think what sign after is afraid of, because again, we're kind of coming back to this whole, everyone loves to act, everyone thinks acting is really fun. Uh, once you've done it for more than a few years, you know it's it's a job too. I mean, it is a great job to get to do, but there is so much work. Um, you know, there might come a point if you have a huge following and the studio is desperate, if the strike does drag on and they wanna 
try to get you to audition for a role and bring a new show on or bring it like trying to, I think you're really trying to avoid things like that because the more that we stand in solidarity, the faster hopefully the strike can end. But again, this is if you are an influencer, um, you know, don't cross the picket line and be in a film or be in a TV show that is at a struck company, which if you have any questions, again, email call, there's also a list now. Um, and I think the last thing I would just say too is you can also, um, you can also use your company platform as a way to stand in solidarity with what's happened and not be crossing a line in any way. Like I know one, um, one girl who owns a company and she's also an influencer on her personal page. She's really been adamant about saying, you know, these are the, the deals I was paid to do before the strike happened and has used her platform, you know, as a place to talk about the strike and stand in solidarity with artists, because I think at the end of the day, we're all in the same boat that we love creating and we love telling stories and we love bringing magic to kids. And there's nothing like telling a story or singing or dancing. And, and that as a whole is what we all do together. So if you feel comfortable and you want to share that, that is always encouraged. You don't have to. Um, but if you feel like that's something you want to share, um, and if you are in a major market, go pick it with people and and talk to them and learn more and be a part of that. And kind of the last thing I'll say is people are not asking anyone to boycott right now. Go see the movies you want to see that are coming out. Don't cancel your subscriptions yet. Don't cancel your cable yet. Um, if something like that were to ever happen, it would be organized on a bigger level to make a bigger impact. But right now, I think the intention is just that um we're kind to one another we support creatives and um we all kind of stand together for a better future because i think this will affect us too long term especially with as we were saying about ai but also just in i don't really want to be in a world where ai is making all our stories and like that's how we're uh <laughs> moving forward with our companies um but, and I think we all can kind of agree on that, but at the same time, I just want to reiterate, don't worry if you have a company, this is something you've been doing for a long time. Um, you don't need to worry about it. It's just, I would only worry about if for whatever reason, you know, a streamer was to reach out to you and say, hey, I'm going to give you $5,000 to promote this on your company or bring your company to this premiere. I don't think that'll happen. But if it were to, um, you know, say no to things like that. Correct. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Michaela, for providing so much clarity on the subject and for talking with me about it. I know our listeners all really appreciate it because I've had so many different cosplayers reach out to me with concern about this situation. So yeah. thank you so much for bringing light to this. And also thank you for being a Bippity Platform student. I love you. Yeah, I love you. I felt bad. I've not been on the last few calls. I missed it. Um, but you've really cultivated, um, kind of back to kind of the whole point of this. I feel like you've cultivated just a very supportive, very wonderful community. And it's just so easy sometimes to get wrapped in people creating drama and forgetting what something is all about. And I think we all do this because we want to make the world a better place. And you're really doing that with what you're doing and really um, making the connections um, between people and setting kind of those boundaries that we support one another. We're not in competition with one another. We don't bully one another. Those are all the things that if we're teaching that to kids. We should be doing it to ourselves too. And you've done such an amazing job of that. So I just want to give you like a, I'll, I'll give a big round of applause, except I don't want to like 
<laughs> make the mic like our ears explode or listeners ears explode. <laughs> but <laughs> you're just amazing with what you're doing, and I hope you keep doing it because um, the world just needs more kindness and um, more support of one another. And I think if there's anything we learned from if you did see the movie that just came out, like it's just it was such a girl power, like feminine power, support one another. Things are just better when we're kind to one another. And thank you. Of course. Thank you. You just give me goosebumps. It's literally the reason that I show up every day and it's the only motivation that keeps me going and keeps it's literally the fuel, the energy of Bippity. So I appreciate you. I love you. Thank you for all of your kind oh. words and thank you for supporting me. I, I couldn't have enough gratitude for you. So thank you. You're amazing. Yes, so are you. Okay, my love. Well, let's wrap up this call. And um, it was so nice chatting with you today. Yeah, and I will see you, you next too. time. Yeah, you're amazing. You look like you're having the time of your life. And you're in Rome. Are you yeah. still in Rome? No, I'm in England now. Ah, you're all about me, a hot little London boy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> get that dual citizenship. What? <laughs> yes. I was like, how do you live in Canada? I was like, I married a Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, well, you know, eventually you could get British citizenship. And then he told me how much he pays in taxes. And I'm like, absolutely not. Absolutely yeah. not. I mean, if you pay taxes in California, it's like, oh, that's very similar. But if you're paying taxes anywhere else, you're like, oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. OK, my love. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And I'll talk to you next time. Yes, I'll see you soon. OK, bye. Bye, Alexis. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you loved what you heard, be sure to share it with me by visiting me on Instagram at bippityboppitybankrolls or visit me on my website at bippityboppitybankrolls.com. I love and I adore you and I can't wait to connect with you on the next episode. Have a magical day.